So we actually, like, we end up being in Europe and Asia simultaneously at the same time. Now we're on three continents and five retail verticals because we went international faster. Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. Hello, B2B leaders. Welcome to another episode of Leaders of B2B. I'm Ledge, your co-host. For those who don't know me, I'm a co-founder and managing partner of Ad One Zero, and we work with B2B services and tech companies on building sustainable and scalable sales and revenue operations. And closing deals. And in my travels, I get in contact with many different founders, all in different types of interesting spaces, one of whom was Didi Chan. She is the co-founder and president of Future Proof Retail. Didi, welcome. Maybe just give a quick introduction of, of yourself and your company. Let the audience know uh, who isn't familiar with you, you know, what you guys do. Thank you. Thank you for having me here and happy new year. My company, we are future-proof retail. We're the leading solution for scan-and-go technology in the marketplace. What that is, is you use your phone in uh, retail stores. You can download an app. You can scan items, check out, pay with the phone without touching any equipment and skipping the checkout line. And quick background, I came, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Pr prior to this, I came from the education space. Um, and I work with families from more than 15 different countries. And I bring that business development into Future Proof. And my partner and team are experts in mobile app development. And they've been making app applications since the launch of the App Store. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a lot to, to dig in there. So it's impossible to to talk about what you guys do and what you have done without sort of thinking about the, you know, big changes, COVID-19. I mean, everybody's talking about that, right? It obviously played in your favor. But if you're talking about being, you know, in business and, and having put together expertise going back to, you know, the beginning of, of apps, that's a long road to get to to where we are today. What what was that that path like? Talk about how you you got here, you and your team. Yeah, we met, uh, my partner and I met in the philosophy club. And philosophy is what really bonded us and our entire team together. We connected on the value of time. So on a macro level, we want to maximize human potential by first removing friction and time, and also by like really aligning our values. And 
this is what gave us a huge advantage when we entered the space. So when we started Future Proof Retail, it was during a trip. I was traveling with my partner, and I wanted to buy a bottle of water before the airplane ride. But there was a long line. We didn't have cash. This was in 2013, and we were late. So I couldn't buy my bottle of water, and I talked to my partner and I said, "Hey, speaking of wasting time, you know, this is 2013. I'm still waiting in line. If we can solve this, this would be great." And he was trying to impress me, and he said, "Well, I can make an app to solve it." I challenged him to prove it, and he did a model. It was great, and I applied my background in education and research and started looking into the space. And when I look into the space, I've learned that three things. One in retail technology, every decade or so, there's a new technology that come into the space that kind of become the next big thing and become normalized. Two, the prior big technology was e-commerce, and as profitable as e-commerce was growing, it was hitting diminishing marginal returns. And looking at the movements of Amazon and Alibaba, the e-giants of the East and West, we expect. Them to come offline into the physical retail space and to come offline with all of the bells and whistles of the technology improvements of convenience and personalized marketing. So the third thing we did is we predicted they're going to come offline in like 2015, and they're going to come offline first in either grocery or fashion because those are the two retail sector that have the slowest e-commerce growth. And at that point, we saw an opportunity that aligned with our value of time. We thought this is something we have a competitive advantage since our team have been making apps and understand mobile, and we see mobile as the technology that is the online to offline technology that give you both the convenience and that interaction, that personalization. So we thought this is something we can combine our skills, our talent. Follow our value and our philosophy, and start future-proof retail. So that's how we got started, and that's how we recruited our team that we've been working on on various projects together, and like inspire people based on not just like solve a problem in the market, but live out a life that we believe and value. Wow, I had so much to unpack there. So okay, 2015, you decide you're going to try to lead the market ahead of the the big, you know, that's just. Two of the biggest companies in the world, and you know it's it's you and a, a small little team, and I think you bootstrapped it, right? So, yeah, wow. So, I mean, talk about that. What were you right about the timing? Did all that research work out, or you know what 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 do you now know that you wish you knew then? I was right about the direction. I was wrong about timing.、Uh, Amazon and Alibaba did not come offline till twenty seventeen, <laughs> and we had to. Be very. We had to figure out what we're gonna do and how to survive and how to readjust our alignment. What I wish I knew now, if I go back, was it's gonna take a lot longer than you want. And I'm happy with the strategy we end up taking, which is we try to focus on a sustainable business model. We focus on. Because at that time, when the market is not ready, I think a lot of、uh, retail technology come into the space. They'll just throw money into like advertisement or marketing. But if the market is not ready, you you can spend all the money you want on advertisement, 
it's not you're not gonna get the ROI. You're not gonna get a result. They're not. They're not. A technology as cool as it is is not the main point of the business. The business is the business. The technology should be the backdrop. So I think we would have planned out a little bit better had we known it would take a little while longer. But I think we would have still gone for the similar strategy in which it is just to be the expert in what we do, educate, bring education into space, educate the market on what we can do, how we can help, and wait until they're ready, and then. Grow the business that way. It's so much of a category-defining business, or a major shift like that is an educational hurdle. Because, in essence, most people who are going to be the users don't even know such a thing exists. And then the you're relying on that retail partner to deploy and make them aware of, hey, you can download an app. Hey, you can check out this way. Like it's so foreign that I do imagine that the the background in In education, would at least give you the patience to realize that you know we have to change almost all of the brains in the world, and that's kind of expensive and daunting unless it's it's the right time. Because we are trained as founders sometimes that oh hey this will be great you know we'll just raise a gazillion dollars and bombard everybody with this message and we'll take on the big players. And that doesn't happen for a lot of companies. So, what I'm so interested in is, what did you do for the two years that it took for the market to catch up with your idea of innovation? We worked on partnership. So we did two main things. One, we know we have the technology competitive advantage. We don't have. It wasn't the right time for massive business development, and we don't have that. But just bunch of existing companies that already are in the space. So when we can't go after the clients directly because the whole thing isn't ready, they don't have a need for it yet. Then we go and we create collaborative relationships. We work with the best technology in its respective field. We form business partnerships, and we also opened up the market to go international faster than we anticipated. Originally, we were going to grow in U.S. and then once we establish that, we go international. That's always been the game plan. But when 2015 hits and it doesn't look like Amazon or Alibaba was going to come offline fast enough to get everybody else on board, um, we kind of we say, okay, we're going to travel to different markets. Other places are growing at different pace, and we're going to make ourselves available. Faster to a bigger audience, so that the right people that's looking, that's ready to future-proof their retail store, know that we're there and we're there to help. And so we actually, like, we end up being in Europe and Asia simultaneously at the same time. Now we're on three continents and five retail verticals because we went international faster. Wow! So that that had to be a huge leap. I mean, you couldn't possibly know that anyone was going. To listen to you, right? I mean, so how confident were you in that stride? I mean, did it was it scary? Did you did you feel like maybe this isn't going to work at at some point, or were you just like laser focused and you just like you were going to get it no matter what? I'm just so interested in this. <laughs> we were we were very confident in our vision of how the store of the future was going to be because well. 
were very nerdy and did tons of research and not just like retail technology, but like, you know, there's a pattern, there's a pattern to how business work, there's a pattern to how a new industry emerge and you see what makes certain strategies or certain businesses successful and what makes other technology not so successful. And timing is a big, big, big thing. And uh, if you're off timing, and there's also a lot of luck to it. So we definitely believe our direction was the direction of the future. This was going to happen. And we also know that we have the talent to make it happen. And we have the experience that can give shopper the easiest and that's the key, the easiest shopping experience. Like you can't just come out with lots of bells and whistles. Like you have to make it easy and simple. And that's how you get adoption. Um, so we know we have these keys to the puzzle. The last piece is a little bit of luck because our motto is if you can survive, if we can survive, we will thrive. And so the question is, can we survive long enough to have an opportunity to thrive? And there's a little bit of gambling there and there's a little bit of strategy and you know, working with great partners that can buy us some more time, that can save us some money, focus on revenue, focus on communicating and listening to the market and responding to where they are at. So all of these things enabled us to buy more time and, you know, fingers crossed that's enough to get us to sustainability and thrive. And were you able to pay yourselves over these, these period of, of time. And, you know, from a, you were generating revenue ultimately, but I, I imagine there were some lean times there, you know, where you were waiting for the world to catch up with you. Yes. So we, we did pay ourselves in the beginning. So when we raised money, we pay ourselves, but we had a cash cap. And when we were, we didn't hit our goals, then, you know, the leaderships are the first to cut. And we are lucky enough where, uh, you know, we pretty much went to our parents. It's like, hey, we can move back home or you can support me for a year. Right, um, right. And, you know, by supporting, I mean, you know, not yeah. like fancy farm and six four walk up and everything else. So we, we definitely we definitely are lucky in that way. And I totally recognize if we didn't have extra support from family, friends to help just survive we wouldn't be able to go this long. So there's a lot of factors in play on what makes people successful. And I think that's, it gave me a huge dose of gratitude and recognition and understand how like the value of all of this plays out. Right. Like your support system. I had the same thing early in my journey and, and maybe the support of your family has resulted in a really successful enterprise and, you know, that they'll all get paid from that. I can say myself, like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, my uh, family and friends supported a business that I ultimately did not make successful. And I think as an entrepreneur, that really weighs on you, you know, so every, every year I think about, you know, Hey, when I get a hit, I'm making sure that everybody who supported my journey, my learning process, you know, gets a piece of, of what I do there. So well, that's that's awesome. And you had the team. Did you did you have to support a lot of different uh, people along the way, or was it really you know you and your partner, and you knew you would grow, you know, when the work warranted it? Yeah, we have a very capable team, and also like in the very beginning, I also kept my education company so that bring in some revenue as well. 
And, you know, we have a small team, but our team are extremely capable and efficient. And everybody from our team came from, uh, from our core team came from an entrepreneurial background. So everybody is already have experience finding their own client and doing a project from A to Z. So we don't have a lot of friction and like we don't need to overmanage and everybody is on board and we support each other. Like it, it really is like a little family. Like we support each other personally and professionally. And we believe, you know, once again, we're connected by something bigger. We're connecting by this philosophy of how we want to spend our time, how we want to build our career. And yes, we want to make money, but like, how do you make money and how do you align money with your core values? And, and I think that makes the journey worth it and interesting and exciting and keep us going when it's difficult. Fantastic. I love that. So, okay. So 2020 happened and you were poised, you know, as sort of five years in the space. And did you, did you recognize early on and, you know, how did you execute on 2020 where everybody was miserable and you guys were kind of saying, Hey, this is maybe really good for us, I guess. And talk, talk about that, that story. Well, we were prior to the pandemic, we've already setting industry record. We have hit up to 10% shoppers adoption, which in, and, and we, we started in the grocery space. So that is like a bread and butter and, you know, and that's already surpassed like all of the e-commerce adoption for being in the market for years. And um, we were already doing well. We were growing kind of slow and steady. And then the pandemic hits and then we went into lockdown. And then it was, it felt like almost overnight, our usage like skyrocketed right now up to past 30% in some of our top locations. So, and when we start seeing so many people using the app, we look into it and we realize Fairway Market is a marquee store in New York City. They were promoting it as part of their shopper safety program as a no-touch checkout. So besides line-free checkout, now we're touch-free checkout. So all of the foundation we put into it to make it easy to use, to make it easy to adopt, to make it intuitive, like really, really paid out. It's helpful. It was good. So during the beginning of the pandemic, what we did is we're like, okay, so this is actually a solution that can help all of the essential stores. So we found the easiest, our generic version, and we donated it to anyone that wants it and with no, like, no long-term contract, no gotcha. Like, it's not like a free trial that roll over. And so we work and we talk to and in the process, like by May, we announced a partnership with AWG Associated Wholesale Grocer, who is the biggest wholesaler for independent grocers in the U.S. And we work with them. We became part of their, we are their only scan and go provider partner. And we continue to work with great partnerships, some that we'll be able to announce very soon. So this has definitely improved. And because we've been in the market long enough, because we have results, because nobody else have the adoption number or the app store review, we hit 4.9 star organic without buying any of the extra. We have customers tweeting about us like shoppers and we have retailers so happy with our solution that they are at trade shows, at NRF, at NGA, talking about us and getting award based on the app that we made 
for them. So all of these are like word of mouth are like reality. So instead of like a market you can praise, you like here is like five, six, seven points and record and results I can point to that we've done. And on top of all of that, we're the first company in the space that made it completely transparent. So if you go to my website, you can see my business model. You can see my pricing. You can see my value. So we don't waste time doing like back and forth negotiation. We don't do like individualized like price. So everything is clean, simple, and that it's a win-win solution. So it's back to that philosophy there. You make things easy. You cut out friction. It's it's a joy to use. It's all the things that people talk about with how technology ought to be. And so it really, it does feel like it's anchored all back to that philosophy. And also what I think is so interesting there is you thought about the no line, you thought about the time, the philosophy was all about saving the time and somebody else in a totally different circumstance, you never thought about changed your marketing message, your core value prop for you. And you noticed the data and you said, well, that's, that's interesting. And we could lean into that too. So the no touch sort of was a tangent to the, the no line. Now it turns out we don't want to wait in lines because of safety. We don't want to touch things because of safety. You executed on that you stayed true to the vision of the time and the ease, but you weren't afraid to take somebody else's value prop that they kind of stamped on your thing and run with it. Was there any cognitive dissonance there that somebody was selling your thing? It's not exactly the vision, but hey, let's take it. Like how did, how was that conversation? Well, it's, I mean, the touch-free checkout, it's, it made sense and it doesn't clash with the line free checkout. And that's just like words and slogan. But at the end of the day, if we're going to put together, like why we're we saving time, because we want a stress free shopping experience, right? Okay. We want to make shopping easy and fun and like just bring the benefit together. And it is all in the value of time. Like time is not just faster to go faster on convenience. Time is also like quality time. So by removing the stress, like now pandemic add a lot of stress. So if safety is part of it or like, or improve the quality of interaction, I think a lot of people think of these checkout free technology, they think we removed a human from it, but we didn't. We're the only company that at the end of every trip, you get to review it. And we actually created an entire digital customer service platform on the back end. And the way I explain it is nowadays people don't typically just pick up the phone and make a call. Like even with your family, you text first and then you call. So it, but the texting doesn't mean you don't have the communication. We just change the form of communication and then you still connect. So that's what we did. We allow you to like before you have a customer service complaint, you maybe write a note, put in a shoebox, and hopefully somebody get back to you. Now, like you actually get to communicate with the store on a way more intimate level. You can write to them and there's a team that responds to you and they take the information that the shopper wants to keep on improving the platform. So all of these feeds back into our philosophy of time into future-proofing retail. I love that. And do you have to get the store to think differently about their, their staffing, the way that they do their business, then uh, they maybe don't have a team or even think about some of these 
things because a complaint used to be, you know, you'd walk up to the cash register and sort of complain to the the person there, or you'd go to the customer service desk. Do they have to think differently about the way they do their business to to adopt and kind of change their brain? If one thing I learned that as a technology provider coming into the B two B space. You don't get to change what the store think. Yes. <laughs> That is not our job. Our job, the retailers are actually quite innovative themselves. They are always what they're solving is business problem for them. So if they have a throughput problem or they need better advertising that you know the customers are not responding to their message because there's too much message, how do you make it more personalizable? Or you know how to make the in-store experience better because now this new in-store experience from like the Amazon and Alibaba's of the world, how do you say competitive? So these are the problems that retail stores want to solve. Our job as technology provider, as B two B, you know we're the second business, we're not the primary business, is to hear their problem and say, hey, we can we have a solution that makes solving this problem easy. And then to just make how we can address their primary concern easier, clear, and articulate, and valuable, and then they can check us out and they can say, "Hey, this is good." And then it's a huge collaboration. It's like, "Oh, we, you know, we have all these features, but some stores don't. You know, we adjust like another key feature and advantage since we've been making apps since day one. We're the most customizable solution in the market." So we have the core foundation that solves your problem with throughput, of convenience, of personalization, and then we customize what the store needs. And a big grocery store has very different needs than a tiny micro market, than maybe a fashion store. And we kind of work together to make an app that really delivers a value, which is why we named our company Future Proof because it's. Always forward thinking. It's think about what problem you want us to solve now, and what where do you want to go in the future. And we want to be that partner with you, that grow with you every step of the way, and provide value in a clear, fair, just way. What I'm impressed with is that your empathy for the customer, I think, is legitimate and real. And a lot of people talk about empathy. For their customer in B 2 B, but they're really thinking, I just want to make more money. Or you know, it's like it's so hard to really sit in the customer's seat, especially in B 2 B, and to not try to change somebody and to really listen. And I think that that is the philosophy that really has been successful for you. So, so I'll ask now, as we we head into the home stretch here, you did successfully. Predict the future. Maybe timing was a little off, but you did. And so now you're looking into a new decade. And what what predictions do you have for the space at large? You know, so now you're now you're a retail expert. So now everybody's gonna you're gonna get called on Bloomberg and and CNBC and predict the future, right? And what's that look like? What do you what do you hope for the the space? And then maybe talk about you know where the the company is going as well. So the future of store is way more exciting, and I think people sometimes forget the magic of shopping. There's a difference between shopping and buying. Like when you're online, you click a click, you buy the stuff you want. But there is a social aspect. There is a fun enjoyment for pleasure when you go shopping. There's a discovery, and there is a community. And I think the future of the store is. 
almost like going back to the past because time kind of repeats. You know, is way more community centric, and technology is the tool that can enable you to bring back all of these experience that goes beyond just buying something. And I think the future of the industry, because we're in a new industry, scan and go is going to be very. It's it's already growing really fast. It's definitely gonna be the mobile bringing the online to offline is like the next e-commerce. And I think, you know, people are talking about shopping differently. They're talking they're talking about the value of you know, is it sustainable? Is it is it does it align with what the customers want? So there's a there's gonna be a shift. And the technology is just in the background that enables stores to be have more of their personality kind of put in front, to enable customers to kind of like really buy things on a conscientious level of what they want to buy, how they want to buy, and have an easy, personalized buying shopping experience. And at the end of the day, like the magic is where you don't notice the technology. Like you go to a grocery store, you pick up a grocery cart, you don't notice that. You you know pick up items with barcodes. You know don't notice that. And each of those technology was like a decade long technology that's become now in the background. So the idea is you don't notice the shopping technology, and instead your time is focused on the human aspect, on the connection, on the friends, on the community, on the thing that you're discovering, on the pleasure, on the fun, and. I think all of the companies in the tech space, as well as the retail space, is also going to grow into more of that community vibe, into communicating with the shoppers, into a closer connection, into a closer bond, and into sharing different ideas, stories, background, and you know, society. Well, the, the way you make it sound. I actually want to go shopping, uh, like, and I never want to go shopping. So, I, you know, I hope that your vision is true, and that you know we can we can build the community around the consumption. Otherwise, I'll just I'll just keep throwing things in my cart. So, you know, I don't know, but let's let's find out, right? So, all right, and what are you guys going to do for for your company? You know, this year, next year, you know, as a as a leader of people and as a as a team leader and and those types of things. What are you thinking about? We're gonna keep prioritizing our team, our our partners, our, our you know our bigger group, and we you know we're twenty twenty one, but of you know the pandemic isn't done. There's still a lot of personal things that impacts everyday life. So we're gonna prioritize keeping everybody healthy, mentally and physically, and do our best. I think our strategy is more like the story of the turtle and the rabbit in retail technology. The rabbit doesn't help that much. You have to be slow and steady. It's a marathon, and I think we're just gonna keep growing, doing, and make sure whenever we come to a crossroad, we review our value, we review what brought us here anyway, and、um, we believe in a win-win strategy. We believe that it's not a winner takes all, and we believe we can make money in a kind, collaborative. Way we can align profit and our value, and we believe that is how we should do business, and that is how we actually going to be more profitable in the long run. Well, Didi, I love your vision. I、uh, immediately wanted to have you on as soon as、uh, we did a call, and you have not disappointed. I hope everybody listens and starts running their their business this way. So, super fun. To have you on, and I wish you so much luck in this. If people want to reach out and talk to you, how would they do that? 
they can go to our website. Um, everything is very transparent. You can see a demo and connect to one of us right away, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, DD Chan, or, or follow our page at Futureproof Retail. Futureproofretail.com. DD, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me and happy 2021. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.